Hello, congregation of First Baptist Church. It's our Bible study time. We're in the book of Ephesians. I wonder if you would join me tonight in praying for all of our sick. Uh, I would add to the list my sister who's been uh, having a rough time and is very critical, critically ill at this time. And so if you'll join me in prayer, we pray, let's pray for our country. Let's pray for our sick and afflicted. There are many in our church that are hurting uh, and need prayer. Lord, you know our prayer requests. You know the ones who are battling cancer, battling illness. And Lord, the some that may, we may not know that are going through all kinds of trials in our congregation. We pray for their betterment. We pray for strength. We pray for grace from the throne of grace. Help us, Lord. Help them. And help us to help them. Lord, tonight we pray, I pray our hearts will be cleansed, that we will confess and acknowledge our sin before you. Lord, prepare our hearts for Bible study, and we give you thanks tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you cannot understand chapter 5 unless you understand what we've been reading in chapter 4. It begins in verse 2, walk in love as Christ has loved us. Well, again, there's that recurrent theme we have seen all the way through the book, have we not? That recurrent theme of love. And God, through the Holy Spirit, had a reason for putting it there. Because it was the thing they would have trouble with. And as we go back to chapter 4... And we look at verse 14 and 15, it speaks of love, but it tells us that we're not children anymore, that we're to grow up because of love, being nurtured in love. We may grow up speaking the truth in love, that living for Christ and serving Him is our vocation. Living for Christ is the one true vocation that we as Christians, now we may be a lawyer, doctor, a pipe fitter, uh, whatever you are, mill worker. But whatever you are in the world is your vocation. You are a Christian witness and follower. You, that is your vocation. That's your true vocation, every believer. And so let's understand that, that we are his servants. And we have been renewed through the Holy Spirit, and we have put off our old way of life. Now, that doesn't mean we're sinless. We're still battling the sin in our life, but we have at least renounced it, and at least we're trying to walk away from it and walk with Christ. <clears throat> our language and manner of life speaks to the truth of Jesus Christ in our hearts. And I want to look back at chapter 4, beginning in verse 29. Let's read from 29 on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We see here somebody 
who speaks, when they speak, they build up people. Uh, when they speak, they do not speak in a manner that grieves the Holy Spirit. They do not speak roughly. Uh, they are not bitter. They are not full of hatred and wrath and anger. Um, they are kind to believers and to other people. And they're tenderhearted, knowing that they have committed sin, and they expect God to forgive them, and therefore they are forgiving when people sin against them. This is the manner, this is the new way of life. This is the manner of life that speaks to the truth of Jesus in our life. And basically, one word would encompass all of that, and that is that word again, love. Let us love one another. Remember, that's what Jesus said in John 13. I think 34 is the testimony to the world. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And so the first thing we see here is be ye therefore followers. And this is a continuation of the thought process. It says be ye therefore. And when you see a therefore, you ask what it's there for. Uh, followers of God as dear children. And so it's, it's encapsulating what we have said in chapter 4 and culminating it by saying, and so as followers of God, this is it. Be ye therefore followers of Christ. This is what you look like as dear children. And as that, we are walking in love as Christ has also has loved us and given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savor. Now, that sweet-smelling savor is where you will see further in the New Testament. Uh, in First John, it's mentioned in, in Romans, the word propitiation. The word propitiation simply means a satisfactory payment. That means that when Christ died, God, God's holiness was satisfied that his sacrifice was enough to pay for our sins, and it was to God a sweet-smelling savor. In other words, a pleasant sacrifice. You remember in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 53, it says what? It pleased God to bruise him. Pleased. You see, that's the same idea. Uh, it, it is kind of where we get the idea of propitiation a satisfactory payment. <clears throat> so his life was given as a propitiatory sacrifice, a sweet-smelling savor to God, and God uh, accepted it. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Now, this is an indication of course, them being Gentiles and being Greeks, what would have been their type of lifestyle? Yes. I mean, even in their religions, part of their Diana and others, uh, there was much sexual uh, deviation. Uh, they uh, had temple prostitutes. Uh, sexual immorality was part of really their worship. If you can imagine that, I can't imagine that. But that was part of their worship of God. Uh, so they were ingrained in that. Uh, neither filthiness, foolish talking, jesting, all things it mentions here. 
but don't let them be mentioned among you. So there was a dramatic change that took place in the Christians at Ephesus. They walked away from many things. I, it was interesting. I, I watched yesterday, just yesterday, a um, one of those things on the PBS about PBS channel about Greece, a trip through Greece, and one of them was a, an ancient city, and they took you to the temples where they had they worshipped their false gods, and the temple pillars had fell down, and there was an amphitheater there. And it said it was abandoned because the nation became Christianized. So they had abandoned the amphitheater temple there where they spoke and, and had all their sacrifices. They sometimes sacrificed people. Uh, it was kind of a weird uh, configura configuration of many religions and, and ideas in Greece. And immorality was usually involved. So... Uh, when the Christianity came to Greece and took over, it, they abandoned those sites. And it had big, humongous, beautiful pillars that had fallen down just piece in pieces. And amphitheater, uh, all that just forsaken. Left to, uh, as a reminder of their false religion. I found that very interesting. And maybe we can put some memorials in our life to remind us of our, what we have forsaken. Uh, but that's maybe another matter. But to forsake a previous way of life is the goal of every believer. We should not be living in sin, living in the way we were. Uh, most, most of us come from a life in one way or another is... Away from God. Maybe you're, maybe if you're, you're in a family where it was all about money and things. Well, that's covetousness. That's being coveted, coveting. You know, wanting things and money, but not no time for God. Uh, it says foolish talking. Maybe you're in a family that where it was okay to tell a dirty joke or uh, these types of things. No, these are these are not the kind of things we as Christians are involved in, but rather giving of thanks, thanking God. And God has called us certainly to a different level of obedience. And then he goes on and says, No whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And certainly if our faith is in idols and we're living that way, we are not saved. And, and something is would be horribly, horribly wrong. But uh, it says here, sh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, because those are evidence signs that we, are, we need Christ and are not saved. Uh, but let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of, di different, of disobedience. And in the notes that I'm asking here, what does a Christian look like? And I'm going to back up in that and look back at verse 2, walking in love. The first thing that I want to say what a Christian looks like is a Christian walks in love. Now, what does it mean to walk in love? Well, 
as a soldier, you know, you walk in a cadence. Uh, as Christians, we walk in love. That's our cadence. We, we walk in a manner as we move around, as we go from place to place. We spread the love of God with us. It goes with us wherever we go. We're walking in love, and we're walking with Him. If we're walking in love, we're walking with Christ. And we might ask ourselves, what does a Christian look like? And this is verses 3 through 6. Um, and here, we're saying, when we're saying what a Christian looks like, this is more what a Christian does not look like. Okay, This is not how a Christian dresses. You know, we're, not, we're not caught up in covet, coveting or uncleanliness. Uh, but you're saying, wait, wait a minute, I knew a, a Christian pastor or leader who had committed adultery. That's that's a sin. That's not, you know, that was not a, and I guarantee you that was not a manner of life for them before they sinned, got involved in that. Uh, one sin. Uh, that was not indicative of their life even. And so you might say, well, yeah, people, Christians do fall off the, the way, do get involved in a sin now and then. But that doesn't mean, that's not the same thing here. We're talking about a manner of life, okay? Uh, and we've seen Christian leaders, you know, serve God faithfully for 30 years and then fail. You know, that doesn't mean that was a manner of life for them. For 30 years they served Christ. You know, okay, so we all, so we all, listen, we're all prone to commit sin. And so let me just balance it out a little bit there. Because in case we get to thinking, well, if I sin, I'm not. No, no. And also, don't. I always remember what one uh, preacher said one time. He said, uh, you want to know what a Christian is, the capability of the sin nature of a Christian. And I said, well, I never thought about it. He said, well, read everything Paul says don't do in the New Testament. So we're all capable, even as a Christian, of being coveting. Uh, but. All these things would not be indicative of our life. We would not be idolaters. We would not be all of those things, certainly. And we certainly would look and, and hopefully would never look continually like that. It doesn't mean we might not fail. We might slip. We might sin. And, uh, you know, I, I think a prime example of that, uh, of, of indicativeness, is to look at somebody and, I, and his name suddenly escapes me. Uh, Jerry, not Jerry Falwell, but but uh, what's the guy down in Louisiana? Anyway, I can't think of his name. He's a preacher on TV. Huh? Yeah, Jimmy Swagger. Uh, who had an incident a few years ago. He had, had a moral failure. And that happened about a year in his life. And, you know, he's been, he was faithful before. And to his credit, been faithful since. I don't look at that man and say this is a, this is his life. He, you know, I say this was a failure. He made a mistake. He failed, but you know he recovered from it and has been exemplary since then. He was exemplary before then. I don't I don't say that that's part of his life. Okay, I for, you know I forgive people, and we're supposed to forgive people. I'm amazed at how many Christians can't forgive him though. Um, and and I said you know. I told my wife what I was looking at him. And he was preaching when I said, I, get, I respect the guy. He got up and, and a lot of people would have just quit and went off and hid somewhere. But he just went back and he's taken a lot of raspberries for it. But I tell you what, that's gutsy. 
And also that's the correct way. He's showing really the correct way. Correct your life if you sin and get back to serving God. I, I have great respect for that man today. Uh, because of that, uh, he, could have done, he could have not done that. Uh, nobody was pushing him to. But, uh, by the way, fornication here means adultery. Adultery and fornication are on the same as far as the Bible was concerned. I'll never forget, I was counseling a young couple one time. And, and they said, well, you know, we're sleeping together, but we're not committing adultery. We're not married. Any sex outside of marriage is adultery. Okay, let's just get that right. Okay? You can say, I'm, I'm being homosexual. I'm not married. You know, I'm, it's okay. No, it's not. It's still adultery. It's all adultery. Uh, I said, any sexual act outside the bottom marriage is adultery. <laughs> they were... Uh, amazed to find that out. As a matter of fact, the word here, fornication, is pornea. We get the word uh, pornography from. Uh, and whoremonger is pornos, the same root word. Filthiness means obscene language and foolish talking, silly, hurtful talk. Maybe making fun of other people, putting other people down, uh, that kind of thing. And that, that is a very hurtful. People do that. You know, that's a sad thing, to talk about people behind their back and make fun of them. You know, I, I've seen that. I saw that in business one time, and uh, I, I have, to my own detriment, approached people about that and tell them, told them I didn't appreciate it. No, no, I wasn't talking about me, but talking about somebody else. Uh, I didn't laugh. I don't think it's funny to make fun of people's lackings or weaknesses behind their back and to make a jest of them. You know, this is wrong. This kind of stuff is wrong. Uh, but the kind of foolish talking, uh, making fun of people's shortcomings, gossiping about them, things you've heard or heard, uh, jesting, being vulgar, uh, telling vulgar jokes. Uh, convenient means improper behavior. Uh, unclean person in verse 5 means to mingle with demonic forces. Wow. An unclean person is somebody who is involved in, in witchcraft and, and demonism and things like that. And covetous means to be overtaken in avarice. Okay, it doesn't mean you have a burst of coveting one time because you want something. It means you're overcome. Avarice is, a, is, a, is part of you. And, and that's what it's saying most of the These are qualities in your life. And my friend, if you're a Christian, you've got a quality like this in your life. You have a serious sin problem, that needs to be taken care of right away. You've got a problem if you're a Christian. Uh, you know, and that's what it's saying here. If you're, you're, it means you're overtaken with these things. Uh, willing to cheat and still maybe even kill to gain money. That's what a covetous person would be. A fraudulent person even. They may commit fraud in order to gain somebody else's money. Uh, and then... Loving gain more than anything. An idolater can be someone who dabbles also in black arts uh, or spiritualism or demonism. And a whoremonger is someone totally given over to sexually compulsive behavior. You know, this is somebody that goes from person to person to person. And uh, somebody, this is not somebody who fell in love or. Or maybe even in lust was with one person and had, had a, an affair one day, you know, like David did, which 
is bad. It's terrible. It's horrible. But this is a person who continually, their life is lived in total compulsive sexual behavior. Now, no child of God should act that way. None of these, obviously, are children of God. However, Christians can become involved with these. And also, if you're involved with these people like this, this is a warning to believers. You will become involved with their bad behavior if you continue. Look at verse 6 and 7. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience, be not ye partakers with them. So see, we have to be careful about the people we hang around, our company. Uh, I had a relative, and I'm not going to tell you who. You might be able to figure it out. But I had a person in my family that was a continual gossip. And I finally had to lay it on the line one day. I said, look, if all you're going to do is come over here and talk about people, don't come. I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to hear it anymore. You know, you come up, you talk about this person and that person. I don't want to hear it. I said, that's gospel. I had to confront them. And I, I, in love, and I love them. I love this person. I still love them today. They love me. And, and they do come over now, and they, and they don't gossip anymore. Because they learn, you know, you need to confront these behaviors in, a, in your life. And you can be nice about it and say, I love you, and I'd love to have you over, but I'm not going to listen to gossip. I don't want to hear that's negative. It's tearing down. And that person has become a very positive, exhortive person. See, I helped them to understand what their behavior was doing to other people. It was bringing people, not only hurting the people they're talking about, but hurting the people they're talking to about it. See, as a Christian, I don't want to hear that. Okay. Uh, so we would be badly influenced by them. Look at verse 11 and 12. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So, you know, this is where we are. And uh, we need to um, we need to not be involved with them. Now, look at further the further warning in verse eleven and twelve. Have no fellowship with them. Uh, why? Because look at verse eight. What are we? What are we supposed to look like? For you were sometimes were darkness in the past. We were darkness, but now we are what? We are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You know, Martin Luther King used that in his famous sermon, I Have a Dream. And he said, the real sin is, of this generation is not that the children of darkness, what they did, but the children of light did nothing about it. And boy, was he ever right about that particular thing. I can't help but think, had we, had we treated, done things differently at that time, we would not have some of the problems we have today. But we are children of the light. What kind of behavior should we have? Well, we've looked at verse 4. What? We're a thankful people. We're to give thanks. We're a thankful people. Verse 2 is telling you here. It's giving you two sets of clothing here. What, do you, what shirt are you going to put on? What suit are you going to wear? Well, I'm going to put on the number, verse 2, the love suit 
and the thankful suit, the, the love pants and the thankful shirt, okay? Uh, that's two things. And then in chapter 4, verse 32, they're forgiving shoes. They're forgiving shoes. Amazing, isn't it? All three of these, by the way, go hand in hand. Thanks, love, forgiving. Well, you're going to think about that. You're going to fit all of that together. And when, you, when we as a Christian can begin to fit the characteristics of what we're supposed to be together, like how forgiveness and love and, and thanks all intermingle as one, then we can really begin to, to look like a believer. These three go hand in hand throughout the New Testament. Where you see one, you see them all. A loving person is a forgiving person. A forgiving person is a thankful person. Always. Always. Uh, and these are the clothes of the believer. So chapter 5 gives you uh, the Christian dress and clothing, while chapter 6 will give us some armament to go with it. Uh, All things, verse 13, are reproved, made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light, or make known. So we're to be children of the light, and as light we shine in the world, we, and that light helps to convict others of sin, and of all that's going on in the world, and so that's what we're to be, lights. Where are we time-wise? Okay. We're going to finish up here in just a moment. Uh, but we've been talking about what kind of clothing and what kind, what does a Christian look like? Well, uh, we could go over to the book of Galatians and I hazard to go there. I'll just mention it to you. Sometime when you get a chance, go over to the book of Galatians and it talks about, I believe in chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit and, and, and I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, didn't randomly put the, those things down there, okay? I, I don't think it was random. He started, the first word, the fruit of the Spirit, is love. The second one, joy. And the third one, peace. And then others. There are other fruits of the Spirit. And by the way, I don't think that, and this is just me, I don't think that's an all-inclusive list. I think these are some fruit of the Spirit. I don't think these are all the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say they're the, all the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit are, but I think there could be others that aren't mentioned. Uh, but maybe branching off the ones that are there. But the first one he mentions is love. And, and I, always, <laughs> I always say, you know, you say a person, they get angry in the church, they say, well, I'm a... I had one guy who was angry. He said, I'm a spirit-filled Christian. I said, what's the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. You don't sound very loving right now. You know, you're angry and you say you're led of the Spirit. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't believe that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And we as Christians, when you talk about how we ought to act, do we act like we've had peace in our heart? Do we do everything in love? Do we have joy? Do we feel like we're happy living the Christian life? Or are we like that guy who says, hey, I'm a Christian and I'm as mad as I can be about it? You know, there are people like that. 
I'm just as miserable as I can be. I, I can prove I'm a Christian. I'm miserable. Well, you know, that's, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's not love, joy, and peace. Or, I'm a Christian, but I'm worried about everything in the world. You know, uh, well, that's not peace. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, you know, all the other. But look at the fruit of the Spirit sometimes. When you think about what we ought to be. We've listed in chapter 5 some things we should be, some things we should not be. Our, our focus. And so I hope you got something out of the Bible study this week. We'll join me again in chapter 4 as we finish up chapter 4 next time. God bless you. And uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time in your word. Bless our church and our folks. In Jesus' name, amen.